Hello friends, uh, Phil Pippinger of Crossroads of East Tennessee. It's been a while since I've been with you guys. We have been going through the book of Romans and we are beginning chapter 6. Romans 6, 1 through 4 is what I will be uh, teaching on this afternoon. And just as Paul was commending the Bereans in Acts 17, he commended them was very complimentary about how they searched the scriptures with great eagerness and enthusiasm to see if these things were true. Uh, I want to encourage you to do the same. Do not take my word for it as we go through and study and continue to study through the book of Romans. I ask a question. Think about this as we go through this. This is a, this is a section, Romans 6 through 8, where, we, where Paul writes and he talks about Okay, you have this salvation in Christ. Now what? You have been set apart. Uh, and it's not one of arrogance, but it's because he has set you apart for service unto Christ. And everything we do, our speech, our conduct, everything relates to how we live in Christ and how we pursue him and come after him. So I pray that as we study this and look after this, uh, please, please Take those things into consideration as I study and teach these things as we go through this. I pose this question to you. Think about this. Can a Christian live his life and live his lifestyle any way that he desires, he or she desires to do uh, in, this, in this life? And the answer is no, no. You are now a bondservant in Christ. Uh, our lives, we are not, our lives are not our own now. Our lives are in Christ. And that's what Paul talks about here. As a matter of fact, I use the term bondservant. Paul talked about that. He always, he always introduced his letters, various letters that he would write. He would say, Paul, a bondservant of Christ. Some people, it's bond slave, but you are, you are in Christ and you are under his authority. And everything we do, everything that, uh, that we, uh, as I say, our speech, our conduct, everything that relates to work, our family, friends, everything is encompassed by that and how we are to pursue Christ and live for him and everything that we do reflects that relationship that we have with him. And as we turn our attention uh, to Romans 6, let me read to you this from Ephesians chapter 2. Being a, being a believer in Christ, I grew up, my first discipleship was to memorize Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. That's verses 8 and 9. But verse 10 is what really sums it all up. And, and brings it all together, those things that we're talking about. Since we are saved by grace through faith, and it's not works, and it's not something we can boast about, it's a gift of God that's been given by God freely to us. And then it is in Christ because verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God is working on us now, just like a carpenter is working on, on in woodworking and trying to create good 
uh, whether it be furniture or whatever it might be, he he puts a design to it and he wants it to be perfect and good and he wants to do good work. Same thing with Christ. The, the life that we have, we have been, <clears throat> we are in Christ now because we are his workmanship. We have been created to do these good works and they are in Christ that we do this. It's not me. It's Christ who's doing these things in me, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The idea of walk, when we see that in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, it always relates to a pattern of our lives. In other words, it's a routine. It should Christ should be at the center of all things, and he he should always be in the midst of our of our lives. Every breath we take, each step we take, everything, Christ is the center of all things that we go through. And so bringing that to this here in Romans chapter 6, as I cover verses 1 through 4, let me read verses verses 1 through 4 of Romans 6, because we have talked about Paul has talked about, okay, we first part, verses chapter 1 through uh, chapter 3 to verse 21 or so, we see that we are sinners. Jew and Greek, we are sinners. All mankind are sinners. And the only way that things are redeemed or people are redeemed is through the blood of Jesus Christ. He fulfills the law and the prophets. He brings it to completion. It is all fulfilled and completed in Christ Jesus. And he talks about through the last part of chapter 3, goes into chapter 4 and chapter 5, and he talks about how that's all completed in Christ Jesus. Even the Old Testament saints, like Abraham, he uses Abraham as an example of his faith. He was looking beyond himself. He knew that God was the one who was in charge of all things. He was the one who, it's his work. And we are just a part of that workmanship of how he does these things in, in and through us. And now it brings us, now that we see that, how the law shows us our sin, the prophets talked about a coming Messiah, salvation that would be eventually in Christ, and how all that is fulfilled through Christ, and it's completed in Christ. Now he turns his attention to how do we live this saved life, this life of salvation that we have that's in Christ? How do we live that? Guess what? He uses some words here, and I'm going to go over them as we go over verses 1 through 4 here of Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? Because at the end of chapter 5, Paul talks about this, about how, hey, as death abounds, grace abounds even more. The freedom that we have that is in Christ, everything that we have, it's, it's even more so, more so. Where sin reigns, grace reigns even more, and it's through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But Paul turns and says this. He says, now, does, what does this mean? Does this mean that we just continue in sin so that grace will increase? And he says this with exclamation points, may it never be. How shall we who died, we put to death our sin. We have died to sin, still live in it. I'm being transformed. I am being changed. 
That's what Paul is talking about here. Now that we have come to Christ, we have this salvation that is free and abundant that is in Christ. I am now being transformed and changed. And it's a process in which God is doing this work in me. I have been saved from the penalty of sin because one day I, I, my life, I want to be out of the presence of sin, that is heaven where everything is perfect and good and be around Christ forever and ever while I'm being saved from this penalty of sin to be in the presence of sin. I've been saved from the penalty of sin to be saved out of the presence of sin. Right now, God is doing a work on me and he's saving me from the power of sin. Power must not, this power and what we're talking about is sin must not dominate my life. Because going back to what we talked about in Ephesians, my life, the walk of my life, the pattern of my life should be reflecting Christ in how I live. And that is what Paul is driving home here. I have died to my sins. I have this new life that is in Christ now. Old things, Paul tells the Corinthians, old things have passed away, new things have come. And so I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. That lifestyle I once had, now it, it is old. It is being dead and buried here. Let's go a little bit further as we go into this. Verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Hey, baptized. When you go to a church service and there are men and women and children who call upon the name of the Lord for salvation that is in Christ, there's baptism. And it is a public testimony. Each individual, they step into the baptistry to be baptized. Some churches sprinkle over the head water, but it is a testimony to that congregation that that man, that woman, that child is now unified. There is a union now, this union that is now in Christ Jesus. I have been baptized. That is the whole idea of baptized and baptism. And it's used several times here in verses three and four. Baptized and baptism. We are, we are declaring, or this man, woman, or child who is being baptized is declaring and professing to the body of believers within that church, I have come forward to proclaim, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am dead to my old life before Christ, and now I am walking, a, walking in the new life that I have that is in Christ Jesus. We have been baptized, and it goes on in verse 4 here. We have been baptized into his death. 
verse 4. Therefore, with that being said, because we, are, we have died to our past, the pattern of our life is changing, we are being transformed, we are being changed, the process that Christ is doing in us, because we are being baptized into his death and dead to that, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. Man, that is powerful when we read that and we see what that is. We, <clears throat> when we have baptismal services, you know, Baptists, Presbyterians, uh, non-denominational, evangelical free church, whatever it might be, what we see happening is we see this individual who has come forward and they've made a profession of faith placing their life in Christ Jesus. And I love the part because I, I being a, uh, as, as an ordained uh, pastor, I've had the privilege of baptizing, baptizing my children. And it's one of the most, it's, it's something that gives me the greatest pleasure and it gives me the, uh, it's, it's quite a privilege to baptize your children and to see them walk in Christ and, and to, see, um, to see them live for him and pursue him and to come after him. You know, <clears throat> when you see that young man, young woman, or child and the pastor talks and speaks and to gets to get confirmation and says hey we are brothers in Christ or we are brother and sister in Christ Jesus now and 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 that person gives his or her testimony and he or she talks about where they were at before Christ when they met Christ and, and this passage of scripture, at least at our church we share this, they give a passage of scripture and talk about what that means and how that, how that has impacted them to come to Christ and give, come to that profession of faith. And then the pastor says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dead and buried in the trespasses of sin, in this immersion of baptism and then raised up to walk in the newness of life. That's where this comes from. That's where this passage comes from. I tell you what, that just, that really excites me and energizes me and gives me passion for Christ to see people. Now God has, 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 has brought life to their soul and spirit now. And now they can come to him and pursue him and, and see. And now sin, Paul talks about this in chapter 7, is now we rec recognize the effects and the consequences of sin and how 
how bitter it it is in our lives when we when we're that way. We don't want to live that way. God wants us to pursue Him and come after Him. And this this idea of baptism, this newness of life that we have, it's a renewal, and it's not simply an experience uh, similar to the past, but it's a different one. It's something that is 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 uh new and and we have that in him and and uh, <clears throat> it's it's uh, we're having a new experience now that we have in Christ we are revived we are we have a renewed spirit now before we were just existing we were just existing now our life is in Christ and we are renewed and God has you know what? God, even in, in Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, God created man to have fellowship with him. Now, men and women, when they come to Christ, when a man or woman or a young child comes to Christ, he or she has a life that is now renewed, and it is, it is, you are full of life. There is joy even when we have even when we have times that seem sorrowful. Now we recognize that there's joy in the midst of that. And we can come to Christ and we can pursue him and come after him. We can put everything on him. We can lay everything at him and put everything on him. Because that's he he's residing in us, his spirit resides in us. Now we're able to come after him and pursue him. That is what's talked about here when we talk about baptism. We are unified in him. There is unity in Christ. We have a union in Christ. Not only that, but we have this this we we recognize that we are dead in dead and buried in our sins and we are raised to walk in in this life that we now have that is in Christ. Now, there that's the big thing here because you know what even today we see with people there's a lot of there's a lot of believers who think that they can live any way they want to and they and where where God has said something that hey that's I've already declared that as sin that is wrong and I've made I've proclaimed that to be wrong we don't we as believers we do not need to be engaged in those things we don't need to it's that's not a question of conscience God has said that's off limits but now what we're seeing today in a lot of, of American evangelicals and a lot of Christians today, we act like, hey, there's nothing wrong with doing this, okay? Uh, what's, what's wrong with doing anything? Why can't I live my life the way I want to? Well, I'm not, again, there's a fine line in this. There's a fine line in this. We don't, as believers in Christ, we do not want to be legalistic, by no means. And I don't think those days are coming back. I don't think that at all. You know, where where you you had to have, you know, guys had to have their hair cut a, shirt, a certain way. Girls had to always wear a, a dress or something to that effect or, or um, 
you know, you, you had, you know, everything was, was a certain way and you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. I don't think we're going back to that. But at the same time, we don't want to carry over into a have people have a license to sin. We don't want to do that either. Just thinking we can do anything we want whenever we want because grace is free and full and we can do whatever we want. No, we don't want legalism. We don't want this license to sin where we think we can just act any way we want to. We can live our lifestyle any way we want to. We desire to live as Christ would want us to, and that is in liberty. Because now God has given us the power to live and to the right way and to make the right decisions because he's given us power to do the right thing. And that's what's at the heart of all of this. Remember now, remember, Paul was, was he was a, he talked about himself, hey, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, my Jewish ancestry and my, my heritage and my pedigree are strong in that. And he was going into a world where people were just, as I, was, as I would say, they were living any way they wanted to, doing whatever they wanted to, taking all kinds of chemicals and, 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 and substances into their body and just living any way they wanted to. And enhancing that with with sexual uh, experiences and and all kinds of things, it was similar to what we'd say was from the '60s. You know, uh, there was a phrase "tune in, turn on, and drop out" that was going on, and just take things into your body, look for the pleasure trips that you can, and and sex was involved in that as well. Well, we still have that going on today here. The problem is a lot of evangelicals have kind of if we're not careful, we have to be careful not to seep into that or let that get into us and everything. We need to be living a life that is distinguished from what's going on around us, okay? Listen, let me tell you something. There is freedom, but the only freedom there is is in Christ. Anything else is is you become enslaved to something or there's lawlessness. You don't. We don't want to live our lives that way either, we don't want to let sin, and I'm going to cover this a little bit more as we cover verses 5 and uh, get into verse down to verse 13. We'll cover that a little bit more because Paul is talking about this, about, hey, listen, it all starts with Christ. The baptism, the, un, the union we have that's in Christ, the death we passed and died to that, now we're living a new life that's in Christ. We are being transformed, and it's a it's a continual process that God is doing these things in, in us. You know, I became a believer. I'm now, I'm about to be 58 years old. I became a believer. I was 15, 16 years old. And well, guess what? Even over the last 40 some odd years, God is still teaching me things from his word and how I live. And, and, and there's a transformation that God is doing in my life even today. I want to be a good husband to my wife. I want to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I'm commanded to do that. That's also from the book of Ephesians. Paul tells us to do that. I want to be a good father to my children. My children are adult children now. And I want to be a good uh, father to them. Um, they have been a real joy to to be around. They, I, I mean, my children don't ask. They never asked for a whole lot, and uh, I'm just I'm just so uh, 
I'm so privileged to 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 be called their father because they have been uh, just really good uh, sons and daughters to me and to my wife. They they they, they hey, truth is they love their mother, <laughs> you know, and and so it's it's really good to see that. But I say all that without rambling. The point is is that as a word of testimony, I want to go. The more they see Christ in me. That's the testimony I need to leave with them and and to help them see that in what I go through and what I and how I live live my life. You know, we can't make ourselves right. We can't justify everything. We cannot do that. Um, you know when when uh, you know when it comes right down to it, God is the one who pierces our hearts, and that's when we want to have a desire. That's how we're able to love people even people who are unlovable and difficult. God does that in us. He's the one who does it. You can't do it by yourself, by your own strength, pulling yourself up by, by your bootstraps to do these things. You cannot do this. And you know what? You know how I have a, how I have a desire to pursue Christ? It's because he does this in me. He does this in me. He will. He he is the one who does this work in me. He is the one who will touch my heart, pierce my heart, and bring me to Him. As a matter of fact, I think about John chapter eight. Hey, chapter fourteen, John fourteen through seventeen, where Jesus talks about, "Hey, I won't be with you much longer. I'll be leaving you, but I will not leave you as an orphan. I will send a the Helper." to you. And and one of the things that that he talks about is how this helper what he will do in our lives and and how he does this through our in <clears throat> in us. And as I'm trying to look for that, <laughs> um, you know, he's going to live in us. He's going to take up residence in us as we continue to, to come after him. But one of the things that he will do is this, the, the helper, the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, when Jesus said in, in John 16, verses 7 through 8, he said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he... When he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. See, he convicts me of sin. Yeah, he convicts me of that. That's how come I knew when I gave my life to Christ, I recognized that, hey, I, I was far from him. I had a lot of, of anger, and I had a lot of, of uh, well, besides anger, I guess the word would be larceny and just rebellion in me. Anger so much that I wanted to hurt somebody. I just, I just, I just really did. It was just really rage that, just went all over me and it led to some violence and I just 
I look back at that and it, it embarrasses me. I hate that. I hate that about that part of my life and what I went through. But you know what? He's brought me this far and he continues to do a work in me. And that's why I pray, I pray that as you hear this, that you recognize that that God's desire is for us to live for him. We don't just put Jesus on the shelf. Okay, yeah, he's my savior, great. When I'm in trouble, I'll call upon him. No, he wants us to have him in our lives, not just on a shelf, but in our lives. We don't just put him away. He is always the centerpiece of our life. He is our very reason for existence. Yes, yeah. Hey, it all begins and it starts with recognizing Christ as Savior and to join him, join him to be in union with him, baptized in his death and also raised up to walk in the newness of life. And that is the resurrection that we have in him. Let me read verse five, because this is where we'll pick up next time. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. I went ahead and read verses six and seven because that's what we're going to get into next week. We have died to that. Now there is a new way of life that is in us. Let me leave this with you. How are you being transformed if you continue to hang on to an old life, whether it be whether it be, you know, just drunkenness, disorderliness, uh, uh, sex, a, a life that's just sexualized all the time. And we live in a culture that's just, just rampant with those things. If we say that we're believers in Christ, you know what? Those things will pass away. Yeah, now God wants us to pursue and have the fruits of the Spirit in us. Not, not what is of flesh, but what is of the Spirit. He wants us to pursue him. And I'll finish with this as we get into this. The deeds of the flesh, those things, you know, the, the believer, these things should not be a part of a believer's life. Immorality, and that's pornography. Impurity and sensuality, that's that sexualized culture that we're living in and what we're having to deal with. Idolatry, anything that is that takes the place of Christ that we put more emphasis on is idolatry. That could be money or whatever, just anything that takes us away from that. Sorcery, that's witchcraft. That has no place among believers, not at all. Enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Now you're saying to yourself, well, those things are lesser. That's not as bad as those other things. Well, it's a part of that. We should not be angry. We should not have jealousy toward one another. We should be lifting up one another, motivating each other to pursue Christ and to come after him. You know, and I'll get into this again some next week. This is just kind of a kind of a a pretext of what we'll be getting into as we go into this. Envying, drunkenness, carousing, things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things 
shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, those things that should be coming forth out of our life that should be evident and seen and witnessed, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ, this fits in good with this. Those who have belonged to Christ have crucified the flesh. They have put it to death and its passions and its desires. I'm going to use that passage next week and we'll go into this a little bit more because this fits in with what we're talking about here about our dying to ourselves and, and living for Christ, okay? As a father, I should die to myself and be there for my children. As a husband, I should die to myself and be there for my wife and love her. I should. And as I'm saying these things to you, I need to be practicing these things. You know, as I'm saying them, I should need to put these things into practice as we pursue him. Hey, thank you so much for your time and attention. May the Lord richly bless you in all that you do. Um, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, which glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5, 17. May the Lord richly bless you in all that you do. Continue to pursue him. Come after him in all that you do. And please search the scriptures with great eagerness and enthusiasm. Don't depend on me. Don't take my word for it. You search out and scour through what I have talked about here. Uh, from Ephesians 2 and from uh, Galatians chapter 5 and our major text here, our, our primary text, Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. God bless you. Uh, and may he richly bless you and your family and all that you do as you pursue Christ. God bless you, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.